0: Well, amen. Y'all let them know how much you appreciate them leading us in worship this morning. Uh, so blessed by them. Well, Ephesians chapter 6 in your Bible, we got to dive in. I preached way too long in the first service. And uh, so I, I, you guys look sharper though. Y'all with me? Say yes. So I feel like y'all are going to get it as soon as we jump into it. But Ephesians chapter 6, will start a brand new series entitled uh, Spiritual Warfare. We're going to be on this for the next few weeks. And let me go ahead and kind of uh, tell you, make a plan to be here, invite some people, because uh, this has the opportunity really just to change how you look at your life we're going to talk about how to fight the spiritual battle now in Ephesians chapter 6 before we dive into that I'm always struck by an Old Testament passage of a prophet named Elisha Elisha was used mightily by God and there was a particular uh, area in his life where God really began to use him it was a time frame when the Armenians actually became uh, enemies against Israel and they were going to attack Israel Now, Elisha was from Israel, and he was God's man. And so he spoke to the king of Israel on God's behalf and said, hey, they're fixing to attack us here. There's going to be a surprise attack. And so uh, every single time, you know, the king of Israel was prepared, and he could ward off that attack. But the amazing thing that happened is... um, the king of Aram found out who was basically giving all this information away. He got extremely angry at Elisha. And so he just said, we're going to kill Elisha. And uh, that's what he sought to do. So he took his entire army, figured out where he lived, that is Elisha. And he went and actually surrounded his house with this massive army. All right. So they're waiting for the morning to come. And whenever the morning comes, they're going to kind of uh, pounce on him and then just put him to death. That is Elisha. So Elisha and his attendant are there. And the attendant, uh, the servant of the house wakes up first and walks outside. So you got to imagine, right? You walk outside and all of a sudden your eyes are open. You're like, there is a huge army surrounding us. So my man goes back inside and wakes up Elisha. He says, Elisha, you got to get up. There's a massive army surrounding us. We're going to take us. They're going to kill us. What are we supposed to do? And I love uh, what Elisha says to uh, his attendant. He says, do not fear, right? First of all, if I was the attendant, I'd be like, you didn't hear what I said right huge army surrounded us about to kill us he says do not fear and then he says for those who are with us are more than those who are against us now again if i were the attendant i'd have been like I'd have, you sit and you didn't hear what i said a matter of fact i don't think you can count right so let's count together elisha you are how many y'all said out loud yeah one i am how many that makes how many yeah two did i we're surrounded we're about to die So Elisha prays for his attendant, and he says, Lord, open his eyes so that he can clearly see. Elisha goes walking back outside with the attendant, and the attendant steps out, and his eyes are open. And he sees up on the mountain chariots of fire and a host of angel armies who have been posted there by God to protect Elisha. Isn't that amazing? Now, when I read that particular text, that Old Testament account in 2 Kings chapter 6, it reminds me that there is indeed a visible world, but there is also an invisible world. And what Paul the Apostle does in Ephesians chapter 6 is he begins to open up for you and I the reality that in our daily lives, we need to know that there is a visible world and there is also an invisible world. Matter of fact, he wants you and I to know that we have to be prepared as the people of God to fight, and we've got to fight So we're going to talk about how to fight well this morning. Y'all with it, say amen. We're going to talk about how to fight the spiritual battle. So with that in mind, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, let me get you to stand in honor of God's word this morning. And you got it there in front of you, say yes. All right, so the Bible says this, finally, be strong in the Lord. against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Let's bow together. Father, we do uh, thank you for an opportunity to open up your word. You've given this to us, that we might know you and we might grow in our walk with you. And I just pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to see that we are all, as followers of yours, in a spiritual battle. That church, the company of the called out ones, we weren't invited to get on a cruise ship. We were invited to get on a battleship. And we are fighting against spirit rebels who have fallen from heaven. Demons that are seeking to find us and devour us. And God, we pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to see how to fight well and how to fight in such a way that brings glory to your name so that the love of Jesus is displayed and the gospel of Jesus is declared. God, we give you this time. And Father, I just pray for all those who are here today. Uh, God, that this would not just be a religious exercise, us kind of going to church, but this will actually be us hearing from you, from your word. And that's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. So you go ahead and be seated this morning. All right, so as I kind of jumped into this text and began to study uh, spiritual warfare, what's amazing is I found about uh, 4,000 different takes on spiritual warfare. Y'all with me say yes? And so what happens is when I'm studying this, I begin to say, okay, Lord, uh, why don't you just teach me what do you want me to know about spiritual warfare? God, you you teach this to me and uh, I'll just kind of share what you're teaching to me to everybody who shows up on Sunday and uh, so that's what I've done all right so even in your notes today I've got a key question there at the very beginning and that question really the question I was asking myself what do I need to know about spiritual warfare and let me get you to jot these down I'm telling you, they're gonna help you. They've already helped me this week uh, just in my own personal prayer life and in my walk with the Lord, all right? So first thing I want you to jot down is this. Uh, I need spiritual strength for earthly relationships. I need spiritual strength for earthly relationships, now, I want you to think about this for a moment. You and I, we've been going verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters dealt with the doctrine of salvation in the church. So we looked at that. The last three chapters begin to deal with our relationship with uh, others. A matter of fact, it's practical Christian living. It's pretty awesome. What Paul has said is he says, now now that you're in a right relationship with the Lord, uh, let me tell you this, every single relationship that you have here upon the earth drastically changes. Matter of fact, uh, what we discovered together is that as a follower of Jesus, God wants to use us to display his love to others. Now, in order to kind of uh, teach this to you, I'm going to illustrate it for you. I hadn't shown you all some awesome artistry lately, so I felt like I would draw some stuff for you. Y'all with me say yes? All right, so here's the deal. And we're going to put it up there on the screen so you can see it. Uh, First of all, I want you to imagine that this is me, all right? And um, that's what I look like in high school, amen, all right? I've put on so much weight since then. But anyway, so so here it is. I've got this relationship now with the Lord, right? And because of this relationship with the Lord, that means every relationship in my life is drastically different. But what's amazing is when you look at the whole book of Ephesians, you'll discover that there are relationships that are brought to the forefront. Matter of fact, uh, Paul the apostle talks about our relationship with those who are at large, are at large. And by at large, I mean those who are outside of the faith, those who do not have a personal relationship with the Lord. Matter of fact, Paul says, look, I've received grace from God. I'm a minister now of this grace and I'm going to share the message of Jesus with other people. And he encourages us to live in the same way. So it changes our relationship with those who are at large, but it also changes our relationship with those who are at church. All right. Those who are at church. Matter of fact, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, it talks about the unity of the brethren. It talks about gathering together as a body, as a local fellowship, and actually loving each other, serving each other, walking with each other throughout our daily lives so that we grow in our relationship with the Lord. It's a beautiful picture, all right? So that's our relationship with church. And then also, he talks about our relationships at home, all right, at home. And uh, you remember this, right? We went through that in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, He talked about our relationships at home. He talked about uh, the spouse relationship, husband and wife, right? So he says to the husbands, husband, love your wife like Christ loves the church. He talked to the wives and he says, uh, uh, submit to your husband, just as the church submits to the leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ. So there was those relationships. But he also talks about in Ephesians 6, beginning of that chapter, our relationships with parents and and children. So that relationship. So again, it's all relationships at home. And then finally he goes on and he begins to talk about our relationships at work. All right. So if you think about your workplace, we talked about masters and slaves over the past few weeks. And in that particular uh, message, we learn together that we are there to show the love of Jesus, even where we work, whether we're managers or we're employers. Now, everybody still with me? Say yes. So I got to go quick. So don't you listen. What God wants you to do is he wants you to fulfill the great commandment. Now, what's the great commandment? Uh, they came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Tell us what we should do. So they said, do y'all know it? Love God with all your Uh, with all of your soul with all your mind and with all your strength right so you're loving God with all your heart soul mind and strength so here's our relationship with the Lord God wants us to love him fully but then he goes on what was the second half of that great commandment love your neighbor as yeah yourself love your neighbor as yourself so who's your neighbor uh your neighbor is everybody who's not you Y'all down with that? So if you think about those at large, those in your neighborhood, those you're on your, your own ball teams with, those who do not have a personal relationship, God wants you to love them. Right? They don't have a personal relationship with the Lord. He wants the love of Jesus to flow through your life to influence and to impact them. So that's where uh, we're to love. He also wants us to love each other at church, love each other at home, and love each other at work. Now here's the crazy thing. We cannot do this. We don't have the capabilities to love other people, not even love God rightly. That's why the Bible says that the moment we come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our life, right? So right here, the Holy Spirit lives, H.S. is Holy Spirit, lives in our bodies. Now, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 that God, check this out, he has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And then the Scriptures also tell you and I in the book of Ephesians that we are to be filled with the Spirit. And then we learn in Galatians chapter 5 that whenever the Spirit of God has control in our life, the fruit of the Holy Spirit shows up. Anybody know what the first fruit is? Yeah, love, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So you have love. I also love 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 talks about our relationships with one another in the context of the body of Christ. And he says in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, love is patient, right? We're to be patient with each other. Love is kind. We're supposed to be kind to each other. Uh, Love does not boast. It is not arrogant. Love believes all things. All of these statements about what love looks like, and he says that's how it should be expressed in the family of God. And because we have the Holy Spirit living within us, when we surrender ourselves to his leadership and authority in our lives, he empowers us to do what we cannot do ourselves that is love God with all our heart soul mind and strength and love people at large love people at church love people at home and love people at work now Paul the Apostle, I love how he writes. I'm using the word love a lot. Y'all down with that? Say yes? All right, so, but I do, I dig what he says in the book of Ephesians because he outlines all of these relationships and then Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 begins with a, a word. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. What is, the word, what is that word it starts with? Somebody shout it out loud. Yeah, it starts with a finally. Y'all with me? All right, so finally. He's like, I've described all these relationships. Now finally, and then notice what he says. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So what Paul is saying is this. You and I, if we're going to really do what God's called us to do here upon the earth, we cannot do it in and of ourselves. We need the strength of the Lord. And he says, you find the strength, uh, which is in the Lord. And I love how he describes it, which is the strength of his might. That word strength, by the way, is the word for authority. All right. And then the word might there speaks about his excessive capabilities. So Paul says, listen, I've talked about all these relationships. Now, here's what I want you to know. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the authority of his exceptional capabilities. That's what God wants you to be. Matter of fact, uh, whenever you and I begin to look at this, we begin to kind of uh, think what it would have been like, or at least I do, uh, to be those individuals who received this letter for the very first time, right? Matter of fact, uh, think about that. You're, you're a part of the church at Ephesus. The letter comes in from Paul. They roll out the scrolls and they begin to read. And as you begin to listen, you hear what, what Paul's saying. He talks about how you're to share the gospel and love those who are not followers of Jesus so you hear that maybe you're listening you're thinking man you don't know my neighbor who lives down the street right so Paul you ain't got a clue what I got going on I can't love you know, I can't share the gospel with that individual and then all of a sudden maybe you think to yourself uh, whenever you think about your uh, church life you think there's no way I can forgive that person do you know what they've done to me you know how they've acted how they've responded you're telling me to forgive I should love them and so, so that maybe there's a little argument going on even in their heads as they're listening to it read, and then they think about uh, at home here, right? And the husband's like, "You're telling me to love my wife like Christ loves the church. Have you tasted her spaghetti? You know what I'm saying? And it's like, how am I supposed to do that? I can't love her rightly. Y'all with me? I don't know where spaghetti came from, but anyway, so. Uh, And then also at work, and so you hear about this idea, and you're like, there's no way I can uh, really submit and do what the boss wants me to do. I can't do this, to which Paul would say, I know. That's why you have to find your strength in the authority of the exceptional capabilities of the Lord. And ultimately, the question is, what is this strength empowering us to do? And the answer is, the strength of the Lord is empowering us to love. To love those at large, to love those at church, to love people at home, to love those at work. That's what his spirit empowers us to do. And whenever we are loving the most, that's when we're receiving the greatest strength from the Lord. Now, that also um, leads me to to realize, uh, as I was studying this, that I I really do. I want to love people, right? Have y'all noticed it's not that easy? I just said, y'all act like we're talking together, right? Have y'all noticed this? It's not that easy. All right, it's not at all. And so what we, we've got to have the Lord's help. And so I was like, okay, Lord, I want your strength. I want to love people the way you love them. Uh, so t- teach me how to do that. So the Lord took me to James chapter four. Listen to how James chapter four opens up. Just listen. This is awesome. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? That's how he starts it off. Why are you guys fighting with each other? What's the source of your quarrels and your conflicts among you? And then, it, then he goes on. And he talks about what's going on there. Uh, and then he says, here's how you fix it. And I love what he says. He says, humble yourself before the Lord, and the Lord will lift you up. Now, look at me. Some of you today are in conflict with those uh, who are unbelievers. Maybe you've got a relationship outside the context of this church, and you're kind of at a, at a war with it. You're fighting with those people. Well, listen. How are you going to have the strength to love them the way God wants you to? The only way is that you would humble yourself. And when you humble yourself, the Lord lifts you up. That means he gives you strength. Didn't y'all listen and say yes? Psalm 68. I've been studying that in my quiet time. The Bible says that God commands his strength upon his people. Y'all be, strength, get on him. Y- y'all, y'all see what I'm saying? That's what he does. So whenever we humble ourselves and say, Lord, I can't love that person. Lord, I can't love that individual at church. Lord, I can't love that person at home. Lord, I can't love that person at work. When you humble yourself and just realize you don't have it in and of yourself to accomplish it, that is the moment where God begins to lift you up. Then he gives you the strength, which you can't do for yourself. That way, when you love them rightly in these four areas, glory doesn't go to you, it all goes to the Lord. So that's where it's at, man. So that means you and I, if we're really going to be fighting the right spiritual battle, we first of all have to realize that we need spiritual strength for earthly relationships. Which leads me to the second point. Jot this one down. I need spiritual weapons to not give up relational ground. I need spiritual weapons to not give up relational ground. Look at verse 11. The Bible says, uh, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. All right, now he talks about the armor of God. We're gonna unpack that in the next couple of weeks as we look at the specific pieces of the armor and how they apply to your life. So don't miss it, man, I can't wait to share that. But anyway, so here he goes on, he says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand. And this means, check this out, stand in such a way that you do not give up ground. So, the question that I begin to ask is what ground? I mean, what ground would I be giving up? Here's the ground I'd be giving up. If I do not love those at large properly, if I do not love those at church rightly, if I do not love those at home rightly, at work rightly, I'm giving up relational ground. The spiritual battle happens in the context of relationships. The devil actually wants to keep you from spending time with the Lord, he wants to keep you from, have y'all noticed? How easy it is to push the Lord to the side and kind of do your own thing? Have y'all noticed that? Have you noticed how, uh, you know, some of you, you spend time with the Lord in the morning, but sometimes you're like, man, I'm just so tired today. So I don't think I'm going to do that. Have y'all noticed how, many, how easy it is for people to skip church on Sunday? I mean, I'm asking y'all a question. Have y'all noticed that? It's like, well, well, we got some other stuff going on. If we don't have something going on, then we'll come to church. Like, really? That's the enemy attacking a relationship in your life. Your relationship with the Lord. And at the same time, the enemy begins to protect your relationship with those at large, at church, at home, and at work. And he wants, check this out, to fight in such a way that the ground is actually taken up between you and others. So that the love of Jesus doesn't influence those at large, at church, at home, or at work. That's how the enemy works towards you. That's what the enemy wants to do in your life. Same thing he wants to do in my life as well. It's an amazing thought. Matter of fact, um, Paul the Apostle talks in Ephesians chapter 4. And he says in Ephesians 4, I believe it's verse 27. Yes, it is. He says, listen to this. This is awesome. He says, do not give the enemy a foothold. Do not give him an opportunity, right? So he says, don't give the enemy an opportunity. Now check this out. He says that in the context of relationships. Because just before he makes that statement, he goes on and says this. He says, y'all don't lie to each other. You can be angry, but be angry and not sin. Make sure the sun doesn't go down on your anger. And then he says, don't give the devil an opportunity. And then he goes on and he says these things. Listen to it. He's like, don't steal from each other. Uh, Don't tear each other down uh, with your words. Uh, Don't be bitter or wrathful or slanderous or malicious. Listen, what what is this? This is all about relationships. Right? If I'm wrathful towards somebody at church, if I am a bitter towards somebody at home, or if I'm rebellious towards somebody at work, what have I done? I have actually given up relational ground to the enemy. I've given him an opportunity. An opportunity to do what? Here's the answer an opportunity to destroy relationships so that the love of Jesus will not flow through my life properly. Are y'all hearing me preach this morning? This is an amazing concept here. I love what the Bible teaches here. Matter of fact, let me throw this out for you, right? Because I told you super, super uh, important here is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit, when he's in control, he empowers you to love. But whenever you have wrath, bitterness, anger, clamor, um, abusive speech, all of those, by the way, I just took out of the book of Ephesians in my brain. When you have that in your life, what are you doing? You're grieving the Holy Spirit. You're grieving Him. And some of you are grieving the Spirit of God in your life today. You know the Lord. something happened to you at some point in time. Somebody ticked you off at church. Somebody made you angry at home. Somebody got on your nerves at work, and then you bowed up on the inside. Listen, that's not the Spirit of God. That's your flesh. And when you bow up on the inside towards others and you begin to focus all of your energy of hate towards them, guess what? You are grieving the Spirit of God in your life. He's grieved. Now, we're introduced here, obviously, to our enemy who's the devil. All right, now I'm gonna talk more about the devil in the uh, next couple of weeks, but let me just kind of give you a little bit of uh, information here about him because he is brought up, obviously, in verse 11, the schemes of the devil, which, by the way, the word schemes... Uh, It's Methodius in the Greek New Testament. It's where we get the English word methods. So the devil has methods, schemes, plans to interrupt all of your relationships in life. He's going to interrupt every single relationship you have. That's his goal. Because he doesn't want God's love to be expressed or to be experienced. So who's this devil? All right, let's check this out. Everybody listening say yeah. The devil has not always existed. Some people think that he has, but he has not. He was actually a created being. God created him. Now, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? You're like, God created the devil? Well, let me say it to you like this. God created Lucifer, a holy angel, who was given moral ability to choose to worship God or refuse to worship him. And the devil was not the only one who was created, but a host of angels. There's a set number of angels, the Bible says. And these angels were created by God. And one particular day, Lucifer chose to rebel against the authority of God. And in doing so, the Bible teaches he was cast down out of heaven. Now, we get that from Ezekiel chapter 28 and Isaiah chapter 14. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, it's pretty awesome here because Jesus also talks about this in the New Testament. He says, uh, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. What? Yeah. Jesus, some people are like, you know, how old is Jesus? Jesus is eternal. Right? Jesus has always existed. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In perfect unity, the Trinity has existed uh, forever. There never was a time when the Trinity did not exist. So Jesus is not created on December the 25th, year zero. Right? He just came to earth in the flesh. Jesus saw the enemy, who we know is the enemy now, Lucifer, be thrown down from heaven like lightning. The Bible also teaches you and I in Revelation chapter 12 that a third of the angels actually followed Lucifer in his rebellion. Now watch this. The enemy who is the devil is described as the prince of this world, the prince. And the world is the world system. So the enemy who is the devil, he's not the opposite of God. He's not omniscient. The devil's not everywhere present. He's not omnipotent. He's not all-powerful. He's not uh, omniscient, knowing all things, right? None of those things. He's not the opposite of God. He's a fallen angel. But the devil has, are y'all listening? The devil actually has demons underneath his instruction in leadership. And he motivates them and sends them out to influence this world system to attract the desires and the lust of our flesh so that we will sin. Which, by the way, real quick, what is sin? Sin is not loving properly. First four of the Ten Commandments deal with our love for God. The last six of the Ten Commandments deal with our love for other people. And whenever we don't love other people and we don't love God rightly, guess what that is? Sin. That's what it is. So the enemy is designed to attack us, to attack our relationships. Let me say it to you like this. You find a believer who's bitter towards a spouse, unforgiving toward a church member, hateful toward a boss, you'll find a believer who has given up relational ground to the enemy. He said, y'all look at me. Y'all looking at me say yeah. I mean, seriously, y'all looking at me back in the back room? I'm checking you. Do you know the enemy wants you and I to not like each other? (laughs) I mean, seriously, I know that's shocking because I'm so easy to like. But no, that's what the enemy does. He comes after us in our relationships. Got to be aware of how the enemy works. Which leads me uh, to the third statement here, and I got to give this to you. Uh, super fast. All right. I must fight the invisible so I can properly love the visible. Look at verse 12. The Bible says, uh, our struggle is not against. All right. I'm going to do this again. I'm going to stop right there and you tell me what the next three words are. All right. Y'all ready for this little test? All right, here we go. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And notice who he says we're fighting. I'm just going to break this down for you. Okay. He says we're fighting against the rulers. The, the, who is that? That speaks of someone in a chief seat of authority. We're fighting against the powers. It speaks of those who hold a position of influence. The world forces of this darkness. It speaks of those who are in a place of rule within the evil realm. Uh, We're fighting against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. This speaks of spiritual agents from the headquarters of evil. So think about what Paul is saying, right? He's saying this. He said "Your, your fight isn't with people you can see. If you're fighting somebody who's an unbeliever, you're fighting the wrong battle. If you're fighting somebody at church, you're fighting the wrong battle. If you're fighting somebody at home who's a flesh and blood person, you're fighting the wrong battle. He goes on and says, "Uh, your fight is with, and I just kind of paraphrase it for you. Are y'all listening say yes? Because I want you to hear this. This is wild. Your fight is with the evil spirits who sit in chief seats of authority. You're fighting against demons who have influence. You're fighting with spirit rebels within the realm of evil. You're fighting with spiritual agents of malice from the headquarters of the devil. His methods, they're malicious. His program is hate. He aims to destroy any semblance of the love for God upon the earth and a love for others upon the earth. Jesus called the father, or called rather the devil, the father of lies in John's Gospel chapter eight. And that's how the enemy works. He puts these little thoughts in your brain. Now, I'm going to share with you how this works. Y'all with me say yeah? Because I've I've hit this, man. The Lord's uh, uh, taught me some some things, all right? So this is pretty awesome. Uh, Sometimes I'll run into somebody at church. I'm just going to give you a church scenario since we're all at church. All right, so sometimes I'll run somebody in the hall, and they'll say something to me. And then I'll I'll hear it, and then I'll walk away. and, And all of a sudden, the thought will come into my mind, wonder what they meant by that. Y'all ever, y'all ever done this? Now, here's what I firmly believe. I think the enemy, he doesn't have to carry it any further. Our flesh will. So when we grab hold of that thought and we begin to speculate about it, we begin to create a scenario in our mind about what that person probably meant when they were talking to me. And then all of a sudden I get ill at that person. And then I begin to fight that person in my ba- brain. Y'all ever shadow box with somebody before in your brain? Right? You're like, I wish he were here. I would bust this. <laughs> y'all don't act like you're spiritual. Y'all have done this before. All right? So you're like, let me get a hold of him. Right? And so you begin to think about it. And then here's what happens. The next time the same individual walks by, you got a little weird feeling about him, don't you? Y'all, don't, y'all know what I'm talking about? Those weird vibes. So when you, when you see them coming and you're just like, let me go this way. Here's the crazy thing. The Bible says in the book of Corinthians that we're to take hold every thought captive and bring it to subjection to Jesus. So what does that mean? That means when that thought comes into my mind, I wonder what they really thought about that. I need to grab that thought up. The Bible talks about it like you uh, grab somebody and, uh, you know, handcuff them. So he personifies the thought. So it's like I grab that thought, put that thing in chains, bring it to Jesus. And I'm like, should this be here? Instead of inviting that thought into my mind and sitting down and having coffee with it. So now I'll bring it to Should this be here? And the Lord's like, whatever's true, whatever's right, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, dwell on these things. What, what does that mean, dwell on these things? That means let these things find a home in your mind. Here's the crazy thing. Uh, demons congratulate one another when they witness a believer's heart grow cold towards the Lord. Some of, listen, some of you are in church today, but your heart is cold towards God. You kind of push the Lord to the side, and you're just in church because that's your religious duty. You're like, well, this is what we're doing Sunday. I guess I better go. Let me check. I went to church. All right, I did my thing. But you don't have a real passionate, white-hot relationship with the Lord, and you know it. It's because the Spirit of God's grieved in your life. You continue to put Jesus down on the bottom of your priority list. Uh, Jesus has become a round-to-it kind of friend. That's it. I'll get around, If I get around to it, I'll hang, I'll hang out with Jesus. If I get around to it, I, I'll really worship Him in spirit it. If I get around to it, that's when I'm going to love Him. If Jesus is a take-it-or-leave-it kind of relationship, you'll leave it every single time. Then him attacks there. Evil spirits relish in the presence of bitterness and unforgiveness. Spirit rebels rejoice when emotions get out of hand and hurtful words are expressed. See, behind the visible, what you and I can see with our naked eye is an invisible war that's being fought. In fact, when we're driven by, and again, I pull these words all out of the book of Ephesians, when we're driven by bitterness... Think about that, right? We've got bitterness. Uh, I'm just pointing here at random relationships. We have bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice, abusive speech. We give up spiritual ground to the enemy when there is immorality, impurity, greed, lying. This is giving up ground to the spiritual enemy. Let me, let me give you these statements, man. I got to hustle up here. Are y'all listening? Say yes. All right, I want you, I want you to hear that. An absence... Y'all with me? This is like my... Fa- I should have just said this and sat down. And some of y'all are probably like, I wish you would have, right? It's because you don't love me properly. But anyway, so here's the thing. An absence of love for the visible is due to the absence of fighting against the invisible. Fighting against those you can see is giving real... Ground to the enemy, you can't see. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of darkness. That's what we fight. That's what we fight. Now, check this out. So I put all this together, right? Have y'all heard sermons on spiritual warfare before? Yeah? Say amen? Or slip your hand up. I guess you can lift your hands as I am. I've heard them too, right? And um, here's the thing. Sometimes I think we listen to sermons and uh, our goal is teach me something i didn't already know um check this out i don't think necessarily that we need to learn something that we have not already been taught i think we need to apply what we've already been taught massive difference and that's the thing right when you think about messages that are being preached sometimes that's me i'm like i even get kind of tempted i think by the enemy well they know this already what you're going to tell them that's different So i got to be like, no, no, no. Lord, give me the words to speak. Which, by the way, I'm going to talk about how to really fight the next couple of weeks. But never speak to a demon. Not your role. You don't, th- that's praying to demons. Don't do that. You speak to the Lord. He's the one who has the authority over the demons. It ain't you, bro. You trust in His divine authority. Talk to God. Here's what's happening, Lord. Give me the strength. But the thing is that I'm afraid is that I'll preach this message today. And, um, you know, the, the Holy Spirit begins to work in your heart as the Word's being delivered, right? So you're sitting there and the Holy Spirit is working. And for some of you, I've talked about relationships at large, at church, at home, at work. For some of you, a specific name came to mind. Some of you are like, oh, man, I know who you're talking about but, but here's the thing. The Holy Spirit puts that name in your heart and mind so that you can do at least one of two things, sometimes both. One, so you can say, Lord, forgive me for my bitterness, for my anger, for my wrath, for my slander, for my abusive speech toward whomever. Forgive me. I confess that sin, right? First John 1.9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness so i'm confessing to you lord that i've had the wrong attitude towards this individual i'm confessing to you lord that i need your forgiveness cleanse me you know what that is it's an act of humility what does he do when you humble yourself he he lifts you up and what does he do when he lifts you up? he gives you strength strength to do what to love for some of you you know you've wronged somebody And you need to go to that person and ask them to forgive you as well. Are y'all listening to what I'm preaching here? Some of you, got, some of you people have family members that you don't even talk to. Because somewhere down the line, y'all got ill at each other at Thanksgiving. And some of you, you you've got issues at home because, I don't know, your husband said something that you didn't like. And she's like, I just won't have anything to I'll just cut him off. Really? That's, the, that's how believers live? No wonder we're not making a difference. Confess it to the Lord, and if it is needed, that is, if that party or person knows what you have done has wronged them, you go to them. The reason I always say, uh, if they know, uh, sometimes it's just between you and the Lord. You just got a problem that you need to get right. And if I go to somebody I have uh, have had, uh, I don't know, negative thoughts about, and I sit down with them and say, I'm going to tell you what, I've asked the Lord to forgive me, I've had negative thoughts. You didn't know this, but here's what I thought about you. Well, now I got a brand new problem, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, let me just get it right with the Lord. But if they know, you better go to them. You better go to them. That's why the Lord's like, you come down to the altar to give your sacrifice, your offering, and you've got a problem with your, but you better get that right. Lord's not, I, Lord's not accepting that. You're losing the spiritual body. You're giving up ground. When you confess your sin to the Lord, and if need be confess your sin also to that person that you have wronged, you know what the Holy Spirit does? He opens back up these grounds of relationship. Why are those so important? Because this is where the love of the Lord is expressed towards others. And what I love what Jesus says to the disciples, right? He, I, got, I ain't got no time to preach. I'm looking at the clock. I was looking at it. Y'all with me? But he washes their feet. This is universal for wash feet, apparently. But anyway, so he washes their feet. And then when he's done, he sits down inside. He says, now I want you guys to do the same thing. He says, I want y'all to love one another. And then he makes this statement. By this, your love, people will know you're my disciples. Listen, so unbelievers, those at large, those who don't even know the Lord, they're looking to see if there really is a difference. And whenever they run into somebody who calls himself a believer at work and he's got a rebellious, sorry attitude towards his boss and an unbeliever sees that, and he's like, that dude's a Christian? That dude, yeah, that dude goes to Concord? Which, by the way, if that's you, don't tell him you come here. right? But if it's, that dude goes you know, it gives them an excuse and a reason to reject the Lord. You're just giving them an opportunity, an opportunity to reject. So with this, my question is, what do you need to do? What do you need to pray? Who do you need to talk to? How can you begin to build these bridges back? So that, and for some of you, it's just it's your relationship with the Lord. You just put the Lord down. you just like, I don't, I've, you know, I've kind of just I've had a round-to-it relationship with Jesus. That's what I've had. If that's you, man, you need to get that stuff right, bro. Yeah, that, why are you going to live like that? Do, let, let me ask you this. You want to die and stand before Jesus with how you're living right now? I'm just asking do you want, to, you want to stand before Jesus with a bitter heart towards somebody and be like, Lord, well, I just couldn't forgive him. And, and the Lord's like, but I forgave you so much. How could you, you should go to hell, but I forgave you. What do you mean you couldn't forgive him? Which, by the way, real quick, come here, come here, come here. Come here. What gives us the power and the strength to love rightly, is grabbing hold once again of the gospel every day. Not simply for salvation. Listen, coming to faith in Jesus Christ and knowing the gospel isn't the starting point of your walk with the Lord. It is the whole thing. So, so I, I forgive because I've been forgiven much. I love because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I'm patient with others because... He was patient with me. Yeah. Not willing that any would perish, but all would come to every life. How patient. See, so you, you just go back to the gospel again. You're just like, what, how do I, what does the gospel teach me about this? What is, how, the way that God has treated me through the gospel, may I treat others the same way. That's the calling. And when we live like this, that transforms communities, man. It does. But if we continue to say, well, I ain't got time for that. i I just, you know, just kind of do my thing right here. Well, I can't forgive. No, let me, no. I don't, no, I can't handle that either. No, my goodness, not at work, not at work. Let me, let me get rid of The enemy's one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that true? I mean, what's amazing is uh, the church today uh, looks eerily familiar to the world. We can hold a grudge with the best of them, can't we? I'm asking y'all a question, can't we? Yeah. Have you been transformed by the gospel? If so, man, let it be known through your life. And God will give you the supernatural capabilities to do what you cannot do on your own. And that's love. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, help us to apply what we've learned today. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. I'm going to invite you during the invitation. Um, I'm going to do this, right? We did this last service. I'm just going to do it again. Uh, God's dealing with some of your hearts. He's dealt with mine. So like this whole message, man, has been all over me like crazy. And so if you feel like, my goodness, he was talking just to me. Look, you're not, I felt the same way when the Lord was teaching to me and I was walking through it, all right? So I know how you feel. But here's what you got to do about it. Humble yourself before the Lord. Humble yourself. So i want to give you an opportunity to do that, right? And in a moment, we stand at our feet. We'll have an invitation. Let me invite you to come forward. If, if God's dealing with your heart, uh, just kneel here in the altar and just begin to pray. Just say, God, you got change my heart. Change my heart. Lord, you, this is going on in my life right now. You know the situation. You know where I am weak, and I need your strength. I need your strength to love. And for some of you, you're going to sit there in your seat and we stand up. You're like, I know I need to pray, but I'm not going forward because everybody's going. You got to chill out with all that stuff. Nobody cares what you got going on, to be honest with you. You You need to get some things right with the Lord this morning. Get some things right with others. Nobody's looking down at you because you come forward to pray. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. He'll lift you up. Well, secondly some of you you don't have a relationship with the lord. You're not Listen, there's only two sides right in the fight. There's uh, god's side. There's the devil's side There's the kingdom of darkness the kingdom of light So if you're not in the light, you don't know jesus then I hate to tell you but you're you're in the dark and uh, you're on the enemy side But god loves you. I mean it's like he invaded the territory He came to save you He is a god who delivers and He so loves you. The Bible says he sent Jesus to die for your sin. His own son took on flesh, died on the cross at Calvary, was buried and raised again. And if you'll turn from your sin this morning and put your trust in Jesus, you can be saved. I don't care what your background is, he'll save you. He will. I love what Paul says, right? Paul talks about how he was the worst sinner ever. And yet Jesus reached down and saved him just to prove he could save anybody. For some of you, you need to respond to Jesus today. So right where you are, if you just call out to him and ask him to forgive you of your sin, give you a new life, he'll do that. First step of obedience is baptism. We're celebrating baptism. Our next service got two to baptize. And uh, we'd love to set up a day for you to be baptized in the future. So if God's calling you, you've given your heart to Jesus today, uh, would you come forward during this time of invitation? I'll be here in the front with others. We wanna pray for you, help you along in your walk with Jesus. God may be calling you to join this church body. If that's the case, you'd be obedient. But most of all, man, this is a message to all believers, those who know Christ. I guess the real question becomes, are you grieving the Spirit of God in your heart? Or are you being filled with the Spirit of God? Some of you just need to pray this morning. That's what church is about, you encountering the Lord. So don't miss this year' opportunity to pray. Maybe uh, today can become that day when you you finally got over it. Today can become that day when you finally let somebody off the hook. So you come and pray this morning. Father, we give you the invitation. Uh, The altar is yours. God, I'm not going to try to manipulate people to come forward. But uh, God, if you want to work in people's hearts, I ask you to do it. And Lord, I pray that we as your people would just be receptive to what you're doing and we'll give you glory for it. And that's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. While we sing, you come if God's dealing with you.